Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. We are focused on Jesus this month. My sermons this month have been exploring various qualities we see in Jesus of Nazareth. My hope is that this close look at Jesus also helps us understand the impact Jesus Christ continues to have in the life of Christians today, in your life and my life. I hope this sermon series is getting you thinking, for those of you who've been here, thinking and talking about who Jesus is to you. Because if you listen in on the public conversation about who this Jesus is and what it means to be Christian, the conversation as it plays out in the public sphere in the United States, if you listen to what is being said in the wider culture, you will hear a whole range of competing or conflicting understandings of Jesus and the Christian faith. In the face of these varied understandings of Jesus and Christianity, I want to be able to say who Jesus Christ is to me and why I call myself a follower of Jesus. I want you to be able to explain with confidence who Jesus Christ is to you and why you call yourself a follower of Jesus. All the aspects of Jesus I'm highlighting in this series are heavily influenced by the work of scholar Marcus Borg. Marcus Borg died this week. It is impossible to measure how much Marcus Borg has done to help contemporary Christians think deeply about Jesus and the Christian life. His work blends academic scholarship with a genuine care for the individual Christian's faith and spirituality. I care so much about each one of us being able to clarify for ourselves and have a sense of how to express for others what we believe and why. And Marcus Borg is a most helpful teacher and conversation partner in this effort. I hope I draw upon his work in ways that pay forward the enormous debt I owe him for how his work has enriched my faith. Marcus Borg illustrated four prominent characteristics of Jesus, four things that made Jesus the unique presence he was. We've talked about two of these. Jesus was a teacher of alternative wisdom. He had a way of looking at things that turned conventional wisdom on its head, that challenged the status quo. We have also talked about Jesus as a social prophet. As a prophet, Jesus took a good, hard look at the world around him, at his society and culture. He saw the barriers that kept people segregated by social categories, like religion and ethnic group and gender. And he offered alternatives, ways to live that broke down the barriers that kept people separated. I mentioned that one of Marcus Borg's gifts was a genuine care for the individual Christian's spiritual life. And that's where we will turn our attention next week, 
Next week's sermon will focus on Jesus' spiritual life and the spiritual life Jesus invites us to. Marcus Borg also talks about Jesus as a movement founder. I alluded to that last week when we were talking about the ways Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a movement leader whose path was faithful to the movement Jesus established. We talk more about Jesus as a movement founder today. In Jesus' own lifetime, people were drawn to what Jesus had to offer. Jesus developed a certain following, which was probably pretty small. But the continuing, eternal presence of Christ's Spirit stirred a full-fledged movement that continued beyond the years of Jesus' earthly life. This movement would eventually become a religion, as we know. But before it was a religion, it was a movement of people drawn to the vision Jesus offered, a vision of alternative wisdom and a society marked by compassion and inclusiveness. We get a bit of a sense of how the Jesus movement might have grown from our scripture readings this morning. Our readings come from Luke's gospel and the book of Acts. Luke and Acts are understood to have been written by the same author, so it's really like part one and part two of the same book. In our first reading, we meet Jesus in the synagogue in Nazareth, where he had been brought up. The scripture tells us that word was getting around. Some people, at least, were paying attention to this guy, Jesus. Jesus goes into the synagogue, and Jesus reads scripture. He reads the words of Isaiah, where Isaiah says, God anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free. Then Jesus tells the people in the temple that these words were as true about Jesus as they were about Isaiah. God called Jesus to bring good news to the poor and to let the oppressed go free. In other words, God called Jesus to work for justice, to do his part to bring about social change. Then we pick up the story a little bit later in Luke's gospel. In all the gospels, Jesus invited people to follow him. Jesus invited people to be his collaborators, to be a part of the work he was about, to be a part of his movement. His invitations to follow reinforced the very nature of his own call. Even in saying, follow me, Jesus broke down the barriers of social categories. He called tax collectors and others who were seen as sinners which challenged those judgments that separated and diminished people. We continue on then in the book of Acts. Here the writer presents the resurrected Jesus talking to his, his disciples. These are the ones who have already answered his call to follow. And now Jesus says, be my witnesses. This role of witness is just what it is in a courtroom. The witness is called upon to tell what he or she has seen or heard. But Jesus elaborates on this request to carry out the responsibility of a witness. He asks his followers to be his witnesses in ever-widening geographic circles. He tells them to be his witnesses at home, 
in the familiar context of Jerusalem, but not to stop there. He tells them to be his witnesses in all of Judea, in the wider community around them. Okay, a bit more demanding, but still doable. But then he tells them to be his witnesses in Samaria. This is essentially asking them to move into hostile territory. Jesus asks his followers to talk about what he taught them and showed them in places where they have no credibility whatsoever, where there's no reason to think their message will be well-received. So Jesus challenges these first members of the Jesus movement to spread his work into places that may not be receptive, to spread his challenges to the status quo and his vision for a compassionate and just society. And finally, Jesus seems to say that there is no end to where this movement can go, no limits on how God's vision can shape the world. Jesus tells them to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Because this movement that is faithful to Jesus' life and ministry, this movement that challenges the status quo of oppression and poverty and captivity, this movement is meant to shape the whole world. When you hear our anthem in just a little while, you'll hear another expression of this vision, a vision for the kind of world built by such a movement. The words come from a poem by Langston Hughes, and the anthem envisions a world where no person scorns another, where the world is blessed by love and adorned with peace, where all know peace and greed loses its power, and where those social boundaries, in the case of our anthem, race in particular, do not limit people's opportunities. So listen for those words. Christians often focus on God's power and action, and rightly so. But part of seeing Jesus as a movement founder is remembering how Jesus empowers us, how Jesus calls us into action. We see this over and over again in the Gospels. When Jesus' friend Lazarus dies, Jesus goes, though he though he shows up much later than Lazarus' sisters might have wished. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, but then he turns over the work to those who are gathered there. Unbind him, Jesus says. He's referring to the grave cloths that would have been wrapped around Lazarus' body. In other words, you do it. You unbind him. Jesus passes the mantle, calling those who would follow him to get their hands dirty in the same work Jesus was about. On another occasion, a large crowd gathers to hear Jesus teach or preach. The disciples get worried as the day goes on. They go to Jesus and point out that it is getting late. It's getting late and people will be getting hungry. The disciples point out that they are in a remote place, nowhere near a market, They ask Jesus to send everyone away into the villages where they can buy food for themselves. But instead, Jesus says, you do it. You give them something to eat. Jesus had a God-given vision for our world, a vision for a world free from rigid social categories, 
a world free from oppressive structures and repressive conventional wisdom. His followers listened to Jesus and watched how he acted and were drawn to the hope his message offered. And still today, we are drawn to that hope. But instead of being the sole bearer of that hope, Jesus entrusts the vision to his followers. Jesus entrusts the vision to us. This is what makes him a movement founder. And if we are faithful, this is also what makes Christianity as much a movement as a religion. Jesus involves us as collaborators, even as activists. And just as the resurrected Christ called his disciples to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, Christ calls us to carry out his work and the work of his movement to the ends of the earth. We know that our ministries are not contained or limited by the four walls around us. Of course, we invite people in, housing the homeless through the interfaith rotating winter shelter, or, or hosting immigrants through the Justice for Our Neighbors legal clinic. But we also move outward. We join with Muslims and Jews and other Christians through the celebration of Abraham. We reach out into a community in India to support education through mission trips and raising funds. We seek to tend the earth by participating in interfaith efforts to avert catastrophic climate change. We reach out into the public schools, seeking to mentor and read to students who are falling behind academically. Jesus began a movement to right that which is wrong in our world, socially and structurally. The Jesus movement was and is a movement for social change. Jesus invites us to follow him. Jesus asks us to be his witnesses. Are you drawn to this Jesus, this Jesus who was wisdom teacher, prophet, and movement founder? Because his invitation is still there. And it is an invitation addressed to us. Will you say yes to being a part of this movement today? Amen. <laughs>